Welcome to the Behind Their Business Podcast, the show that's peeling back the curtain and showing what's actually happening behind the scenes of running a business. I'm your host, Steph Blake, and each week you'll hear from women at all levels of business who are showcasing their stories of struggle and triumph as they juggle business ownership with day-to-day life. Join us to hear inspiring stories and strategies for starting and growing your own business. Hey everybody, Steph Blake here, and I am so glad that you are here for this week's episode. As usual, it is going to be amazing, so you are in for a treat. But before we dive into that episode, I want you to join our private and 100% free and supportive community for business owners to connect in called the Confident CEO Community. So if you have not joined us yet, here is your invitation to come and join us. Each week I also do a live training to share my best tips and tricks for scaling an online business the easy way. We talk about strategy, team building, mindset, tools, automation, and everything in between to help you confidently step into the CEO role in your business. So you can go to confidentceocommunity.com to join us today. And now let's dive in to this discussion with our incredible guest. Welcome back to the Behind Their Business podcast, or if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. Today, our guest is going to share about her experience as a female in the automotive industry. She's been in this industry for 20 years as a first-year automotive technician, a journeyman parts person, and a sales consultant. I don't know what all of this means, so she's going to dive into it even more for us, but she lives on Vancouver Island with her husband and their two daughters, and she shared a couple of fun facts with us, too, that is that I love. So first, she's an avid scuba diver who dives at 100 plus feet, which is so cool to me. She scales rock walls and rides her motorcycle in her free time. And she said the next adventure she wants to try is skydiving. And I will let you know that I've done it. And it was terrifying, but I am not an adrenaline junkie and somebody who likes that. So we can talk about that as well. But in her business, our guest is the founder of The Passing Lane on Vancouver Island that specializes in automotive service advisor training, and she's also a sales consultant. So please welcome Coralie Zuaf. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me on, Steph. I am so glad that you are here and just sharing your experience. So first of all, skydiving, have you done it yet? I you? haven't yet. No, I have too many <laughs> expensive hobbies as is. So that's um, that's the next thing on my to-do list. Yeah. Well, if you, it sounds like you like adrenaline and you like to do things that are, <laughs> that are outside of the norm of what like quote unquote sane people do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I did, I went skydiving about 10 years ago and I'm afraid of heights. So I don't know why I did it. I just went with a group of friends who said that they were going and it was the most terrifying experience of my life. So, oh, wow. But it must've been like so empowering after you did it. Right. Like facing no. your fears. No, it, <laughs> okay. no. <laughs> I, I got a video recording. So they recorded you jumping out of the plane and you're with another person. So I was strapped mm-hmm. to another person. And when I landed on the ground, they're like, oh my gosh, how do you feel? Would you do it again? And I said, oh my gosh, I'm just so glad I'm alive. I'm never doing that again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They kind of put you in a baby pack, right? Uh, Yeah, they do. So once you pull the chute, you're just dangling there. And the only thing stopping you from dropping thousands of feet is basically like a harness. 
So for somebody who's afraid of heights, not the best idea to do, but if you're not afraid of heights, I'm sure it would be an amazing experience, but enough about that. So let's tell, if you don't mind sharing your story, can you just share all of your story? So how you got started in the automotive industry, if you were doing anything before then, like, what does that journey look like for you specifically? Okay. Um, well, I guess for my grade 12 year in high school, I wasn't a hundred percent sure what I should do. Um, you know, I was kind of thinking about law school and a few other options. And then one day when I was exiting the building, I saw a, a flyer up for the first year automotive technician course. So I was like, something just clicked. I saw that. I was like, I want to do that. I'm going to do that. <laughs> so I signed up for that and it was uh, one town over. So I went to do that um, right out of high school. Um, and it was great. I learned a lot like about how vehicles work and, and working on them and everything. But I kind of really missed that interaction with people. So when everybody was working on their vehicles, I'd like do the pick up for parts and ordering of stuff. So I really enjoyed talking to people. And when customers would bring us their um, vehicles to get worked on, then I'd be that face-to-face person as well. So that's my, yeah. So that's sort of where I gained um, the basics of uh, mechanical knowledge. So from there, most people went out and found an apprenticeship, like at a dealership or independence. And um, I went to take a sales course and then went into selling cars for many years after that. That's cool. I'm sure that that had, that helped your sales. Um, did you work at a dealership? I'm, yes, I'm I did to... work okay, at a dealership. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I I'm worked sure. at a couple of them. I was very fortunate. The first one that um, decided to hire me, um, they were very inclusive and did well training and mentoring me. So I really appreciated that. And how many years did you say you did that for? Um, probably close to five. Okay. Okay. And then what led you to where you're at now, what you're doing today? So I So after that, we moved to a different community and, sorry, and again, I'm selling cars is you had the interaction, like talking about the vehicle, but it never incorporated the mechanical knowledge that I had on top of that. So I've got a job in a parts department um, at a independent owned place. And then I seemed to shine in there. And the manager took a notice to that and then moved me to service advising, which is the person who is in between the customer and the technician. And there I really found my sweet spot. That's, that was a good combination of all of my experience put together. Well, that's great. So So you, you had that interaction with the client still, but you were still able to use that knowledge that you've gained. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I finding now most people that I like, it's, it's a great joy for me. Um, And it's so exciting, like to, to take information from a customer and be able to tell the technician what problems are happening with their vehicle. And then to take back that technical diagnosis and, you know, find a solution for the customers and then to be able to explain it is, is exciting for me. Yeah, I bet. And as speaking as somebody who knows nothing about a vehicle, <laughs> it's always really refreshing when I am able to speak to somebody who can tell me in like layman's terms, <laughs> I guess, and not technical jargon because I don't I don't understand what's happening under the hood. But obviously you do, and it sounds like you can relay that to the customer in a way that they can easily understand, which we oh, we really appreciate. 
Yeah, talking to like, you know, different friends and family that aren't customers of mine or live close by, it seems like everybody has a horror story or knows of a horror story for getting their vehicle worked on. Mm-hmm. You don't know if you had had any experiences like that similar. I was trying to think about that when you mentioned, I don't know if I have a horror. Oh, I do. Now I just, <laughs> I just realized one. Yeah. So I actually bought a vehicle. So I, when I was in my early twenties, I did a bunch of research and I bought a very specific vehicle. And then as soon as we drove it off the lot, it had a bunch of issues with it, mechanical issues that they never told us about. And they refused to do anything to take care of it because we had already left the dealership at that time. So that was a couple years of <laughs> annoyance more than anything. And it had to do with now, see, I'm not going to know what I'm talking about, but it was a sport vehicle. So mm-hmm. when you um, accelerated, there were, all right, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but like, <sighs> no, you experienced be, it. Well, so you I definitely even, know what you're talking about more than anybody else. I mean, in terms of the the vehicle, like what was happening. So when you accelerated, it was supposed to like kick something off in the vehicle to make it actually go faster because it was a sports vehicle, mm-hmm. but w- the gasket or whatever, it popped. So it would just randomly stop working. So you couldn't oh. accelerate. And that would happen every couple of months on the vehicle. I don't, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I'm just thinking that's very challenging to to diagnose too, right? Because if it only happens every few months to figure out when somebody can experience it, that can be challenging. That's also true. I never thought about it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting that you said that. Um, yeah, because it would just happen randomly, but I know. Anyway, so um, I know you said that you are the founder of The Passing Lane. So can you explain mm-hmm. a little bit what you do in your company today? Yeah, so um I've always wanted to write a book and it was kind of like on the back burner and then COVID hit. So I was like, oh, now I have all this time to to get it finished because there really isn't any set training authority for service advisors. Like the technicians need to go through proper training like and years of apprenticeship to be able to do their job. And like I mentioned too, parts person is a, a similar ticket, like a a service or like a technician here in Canada. And then salespeople also have to be licensed. But for a service advisor who's doing like all three of their jobs, kind of having to understand how everything works, there isn't any set um, information or training available. Like some dealerships have um, information now that's available on the computer to do like e-learning stuff with or, um, you know, online tests and stuff. But there isn't really one Um, training authority to regulate this. So after hearing so many horror stories of, you know, friends and family and how things aren't working out well for them, I wrote everything down about my process and how I do things um, to avoid having upset and angry customers and then how service advisors can, you know, share this information with the customers. Like my goal is to educate people on their vehicle repairs and maintenance. So if a customer comes in, I want them to be able to know um, why they need it and to be able to explain in layman's terms to like a partner or a parent, you know, why they got it and the value of it, right? Because you might go somewhere and, and tell your spouse you spent like $1,200 on something that you don't understand. And, it, and that sounds like they're being ripped off. Then I had a similar experience too. Like I went to the dentist and got an estimate on my teeth and went back for work. And then they had maxed out my insurance and I ended up paying more. 
which I know things happen, but to be, you need to be able to explain to the person why, you know, where, where things went wrong and stuff. So the feeling like I had at the dentist, I think is similar to what customers experience. Um, so I wrote the book and it was a number one bestseller on Amazon, like multiple times. So I know that there's a need out there for this. Um, and then just in the past year, I've started doing um, live training for service advisors to help them out. Yeah, that's amazing. And before we started recording, you mentioned that you have been working with more women as well, right? Yeah, just uh, the past few months, actually. Um, there's uh, different uh, journeymen and Red Seal. Um, that's what we are in Canada for a trade. Um, and the government sponsoring like different programs because while there's labor shortages everywhere, it's especially true in the trades. So um, last month I did a, was a guest instructor at um, a program at the college that for three weeks they were introducing females to a different trade every day. So they got to come in and learn in the classroom and then we got to have hands-on activities for them. And then um, later this month, we'll be doing the same thing, but that'll be for high schoolers in grades uh, eight to 12. Oh, that's so fun. That's, mm -hmm. that's great. That's so good that they have that experience to kind of see multiple trades that you may not necessarily think you enjoy, but like you said, like you just walked out of school one day and you decided to do this and you clearly fell in love with it. So I think that's great. To experience mm -hmm. that. And two, um, the goal would be, even if they don't decide to pick up my trade, um, we were discussing tires in the course, for example, and what the numbers on the sides of your tires mean and how to check the tire pressure and stuff. So even if they don't fall in love with my trade, they're at least going to have practical knowledge to get them through life with their oh, vehicle, at least. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's true. I wish I would have taken some kind of course or something like that, because like I said, I, I don't, I don't know much of anything having to do with my vehicle, which is not great. Um, but this may inspire me to actually learn a little bit more. Now, one thing that I want to talk about is I'm assuming where you are, the automotive industry, it's, it's male dominated, right? So mm -hmm. how, what has your experience been navigating this? Um, for the most part, I sort of just feel like I am a person and never gave it too much thought as to the to my gender. And I haven't experienced too much discrimination um, in my job. I was trying to think of times when it does pop up. And it's usually if I was looking for a job. Um, you know, if we go into the interview and, um, you know, there's a couple other guys interviewing, I would never get the position. <laughs> or there, there was a time like a maybe 10 years ago when I was, I was looking for a job and it was in a small town. So um, I guess there's only some of us, ugh, sorry, so, so many of us looking for a job and so many positions available. So I'd go interview at a place and then this other guy would go interview at the place and he got the job and then I got turned down. So then I'd carry on interviewing and then it, didn't work out for this guy at the last place. So then the next one I went to, we both interviewed again and he got the same job again. And this happened a third time. And it was so with the same person? The same person was like interviewing it, but they couldn't actually hack it. They were, you know, they could talk a good talk, but when it came to actually doing the work, they weren't very good at it. So it was actually like three different jobs wow. that this person got instead of me. And then I got the call 
then I got called for all these jobs again. So that was pretty unique. It made me feel good. So I always tell people like if they're considering hiring me for now, like to train the service advisors, I'm not, I'm not usually the first choice, but I'm the last choice. <laughs> we'll, we'll end your problems right here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's mm. great. I love that. I may not be the first choice, but I'm the last choice. Mm. Um, that's amazing. So um, have, I know you said that you have two daughters. Have you introduced them to this industry? I, I don't know how old they are. If it's uh, uh, They're like, um, they are 11 and 13 right now. Okay. Um, and I guess it sort of goes along with mom does this. So they don't want to have any, um, <laughs> you know, have a look at what I'm doing right now. So I remember when they were little though, and I was a stay at home mom and we had a flat tire. <laughs> And we go to the car. It's like, oh, no, we have to fix this. And my daughter goes, we should take it to the men. I was like, what? Where, where did that come from? But just, you know, like a, a three-year-old, what goes through her mind. So we had to, like, get all the tools out and change this tire in the driveway and take it in for the repair. So I remember having to do that. Oh, that's um, funny. Yeah, but at least I think they have the same um, idea of gender Based while they're not interested in my trade, they're interested, they understand that they can do anything and have mm -hmm. all opportunities are open for them, that it's not limited because of their gender. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I, I love that you're teaching them that lesson because in my personally, in my personal life, I don't know any female who can change a tire to be completely honest with you, which is awful to even say that, but I mean, it's just not something that I have grown up around. So, and I feel like also, I don't know any, that's not true. One of my aunts works at the steel mill near us, which is like technically like male dominated as well, but she's really the outlier in that field as well. So I love that you are kind of paving the way and helping other women tell them that they can do whatever they want to do. Their gender truly does not matter. So I think that's really incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about these adventures that you oh. go on as well. The scuba diving, the rock climbing, the motorcycle riding. I don't know if that's necessarily an adventure unless you do like long trips, but um, can you tell us more about that? Um, yeah, actually my weekends are pretty jam packed right now with events that we have coming up. Um, actually the shop I am at right now, um, we're all going to be going on a, a, the spring Hagerty spring thaw tour, which is a car rally. So we're going to be doing that from Thursday to Monday this week. And then next week, um, I have a scuba diving trip planned like further up our Island. Actually, that's a group of female based scuba divers. Cause they again have the same, um, um, feeling that there are more male scuba divers out there than female scuba divers. So we're all have gotten together in a group and are going to go on a camping trip together. Oh, that's nice. It's hmm. a nice time away too. That's great. Yeah. So it'll be, um, we're going to see, there'll be four dives and we'll go see, um, I think there's a couple of wrecks there. So that'll be exciting. Oh. I like seeing things under the water that aren't supposed to be there. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. Now I have a really silly question, but have you ever been afraid of any underwater creatures like sharks or something coming to eat you? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so crazy, but that's what I'm terrified of when I think about scuba diving. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Um, I think I'm, I know the creatures that are in our waters here, um, you know, and what kind of things might be dangerous, but 
I think it kind of goes hand in hand with being in the automotive industry and, and planning and making sure things are safe. Um, I'd more so worry about scuba diving, like running out of air and how much air my buddy has and things that could go wrong in the water. But um, I find like with, with planning these activities, um, just, uh, you know, making sure it's not foolproof, but that all precautions have been taken. Mm -hmm. And I haven't really met any problems that couldn't be dealt with. And I make sure we have good, you know, buddies that you can trust as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. no, that, that makes complete sense. And that was the perfect answer. You're yeah, not I think afraid too, of being eaten by a shark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's the, the quote too, is it, I can't remember who it's from, but like the difference between fear and excitement is just breathing. Can't remember who said that. I've never <laughs> so it's heard just like that, a but small thing. Um, yeah, I'll have to look it up. <laughs> yeah. But that one is one that made me think. Yeah, no, that's very true. Very true. So if somebody wanted to find your book, did you say that it was on Amazon or is there another place where they should go to find that? Uh, no, it's on Amazon and okay. it's, yeah, search five-star service advisor or just service advisor and it's on there. Perfect. That sounds great. And uh, where is the best place for everybody to connect with you if they want to reach out? Uh, same thing. Uh, you can look up five-star service advisor and um, I usually hang out on Facebook a lot. Okay. Perfect. That's, That's great. Thank you. To find me. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your story and just really reminding us that gender really doesn't matter. You can go towards your dreams in whichever way that you choose to. So thank you again for being here. And um, I'm sure that many people will reach out to connect with you. Thank you for having me on, Steph. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Behind Their Business podcast with me, Steph Blake of the Blake Collective, which is a female-led company focused on helping online entrepreneurs start and scale their own businesses. If you or someone you know would make a great guest for the show, we would love to interview you. Visit our website at behindtheirbusiness.com to submit a short application and learn more about the show and how you can support our mission. If you enjoyed the show, we would love for you to share it with a friend or a loved one too. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you again for listening to the Behind Their Business podcast.